Something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. We are excited to welcome a new sponsor. Thriftbooks.com is a cool way for you to buy your favorite books. If you're like me, you want a book in your hands when you read, or maybe you simply want to buy your favorite books to place on your shelf, but you don't want to pay full price. Thriftbooks has the answer. Search used books at their online site, thriftbooks.com. Books are reasonably priced, plus each purchase adds credits to your account, which you can apply to future purchases in their Reading Rewards program. You may even have enough credit for a free book. The nicest part is that you don't have to keep track. Thriftbooks keeps track for you and lets you know right at the point of purchase that credits are available for your use to apply on the spot. There's a link to thriftbooks.com in the show notes. Or click the ad on my website, ClaudineWalk.com. With us today is Dr. Robin Graham. Robin is an author, podcast host, certified brand strategist, and personal brand and business coach. You can find her at TheRobinGraham.com. She's our guest today. Welcome, Robin. Hi, Claudine. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So you've been on the show, and we love to have you here. We've talked about brand strategy. We've talked about your podcast. And we are now talking about your exciting announcement. Why don't you tell the audience what's going on? So I um, published a book called You, Me, and Anxiety. It is written for teen girls. And then there is a parent book to accompany that book. And then there's a journal also so that readers can take immediate action to overcome their anxiety. So the book is basically a memoir. It's my journey um, with my lifelong my lifelong journey with anxiety. And then um, a lot of just tools and advice for young girls, young women. So the book is specifically for teens. What, tell us why you wrote the book. What, why, what was the need for the book? So more than 25% of teens in the U.S. have anxiety. And the incidence of anxiety is also correlating with the incidence of drug addiction and death by suicide. And there's too much risk. And I suffered through anxiety my entire life. I mean, it's, it's something that I navigate now. Um, but it's not something that will ever go away because I'm genetically predisposed to it. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. They can, they think that they can just tell their teen, get over it. And their teen's supposed to pick up their bag and move about life freely without these struggles. And it doesn't work that way. And so having gone through a journey with anxiety my entire life, and then being a parent of teens with anxiety, I realized that I have a story to tell and I don't want young girls to, or teens, young women to struggle with anxiety for the length of time I did. So if I could tell my story and offer the tools and strategies that I've used and give them some advice that 
and wisdom, tidbits of wisdom that I wished I'd had when I was younger so that I could have navigated things differently. Life would have been differently. I would have experienced life, not that I want my life to be different because I'm very happy. I love my husband. I love my children. Like that is incredible. And my life journey has has happened the way that it was meant to happen. But I could have had a lot more joy in all of the experiences had I not been so tied down with that negative grip that anxiety had on me. Okay, so let's unpack a couple of things here. Uh, It's such a huge issue. Um, Do you find that it's a bigger issue now because of COVID that there are more teens that are suffering from anxiety? Absolutely. And, you know, when when teens are are you know, have all these stipulations and regulations on how they're learning, what, you know, having to cover their face. There's so many different things that have impacted them, not to mention all the animosity that they see on the news or hear on the news or see on social media. The pressures just keep rising every single day. And they have so many things that they see on a daily basis that make them question, I think, you know, what their worth is. Where's their value? Do they have to post pictures in a bikini in order to have value like the most popular girl in school does? And so the pressures are increasing because they see so much. They're exposed to so much and they're exposed to it so much earlier. Not to mention, especially children who, you know, have aspirations that everything in school is becoming so much more competitive. When you look at all of these collegiate athletes who, you would look at them and think they're amazing. They have it all together. Their life is so perfect. And they have, they're a college athlete and all of this. And yet they're dying by suicide. So there's clearly a problem. The pressures are too great. And it's not necessarily the parents are putting these pressures on their children. It's that these children are exposed to so much and seeing so much and they put the pressures on themselves. Right. And there's a, there's a difference between what is seen on social media on Instagram or Snapchat or, or, or Facebook or whatever, then what is actually going on? Right. And how do they reconcile that? Because it looks, everybody looks so happy and then they're actually not. Every single family has a skeleton in their closet. There is not a family out there that is perfect. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter, you know, the type of clothes you have, the type of car you drive, how big your house is. None of that matters. Every single family has a skeleton in their closet. And a lot of times that skeleton is mental health. And the problem is that it's stigmatized. And so people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to address it. They don't want their child to be labeled as having anxiety, having depression, having bipolar disorder, whatever the case may be. Even ADHD, there's stigma around all of these things but they're all tied together. So if they're not addressed and someone is just telling a teen, well, get over it, but there is no action being taken to help them navigate this, to get therapy, to, you know, start using holistic measures, no matter what those may be. There's so many, and I I have a whole list of them in my book, but if people aren't working together as a team, anxiety is not going to be or teens are not going to be able to navigate their anxiety in a way that is effective for long-term growth. Right. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned that there's a genetic component to this. So it sounds to me that there's there is it's part of the brain and it's also the the societal impact is is making right. things worse maybe? Is that how it works? 
Well, exactly. I mean, it, genetically, there is a predisposition predisposition to anxiety. Um, and, you know, if your parent has it, then you are more likely to have it than, than someone whose parent doesn't have it. Um, there's, there's a lot of scientific data about that. But so what happens if you're pre, if you're genetically predisposed, then environmental factors are going to influence that it's going to cause that the incidents or the way you experience it to escalate um, versus someone who maybe is not genetically predisposed and they can still have anxiety their their family may not have anxiety but they can still have anxiety because it's, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain basically and then you add all these environmental factors and um, the stress of school the stress of a work you know a job the stress of homework and sports practice and everything else, you know, learning how to drive and all of these pressures that come their way. And then if there is an imbalance in the home life and things aren't peaceful or there's any level of trauma or loss or abuse, that anxiety is just going to keep rising. Right. So if you if you have a uh, how can you tell if maybe one of your children is exhibiting signs of anxiety? What are some of the telltale signs? So I I have a whole chapter in the book about this too, and identifying those triggers so that you can understand what's happening and recognize that and then have a strategy in place when those triggers could potentially occur. But if your child is, is telling you that they're having trouble sleeping at night, maybe they have um, stomach discomfort, headaches, maybe they are withdrawing, they're not socially as active as they used to be. Maybe they are not eating in the same patterns. Maybe they are excessively exercising. There are so many different symptoms and it's very specific to each and every individual. But if you sometimes anxiety will present itself as irritability, anger, outbursts. And so any of these things could happen. And it's recognizing that, okay, this isn't your teen lashing out at you as much as something's underlying, something's going on, and let's get to the bottom and see what this actually is. So if you see a shift in behaviors and communication and activity within your teen, then it's time to to think, you know, okay, could this be anxiety. And oftentimes, like for me, it was always stomach pain. And from the time I was a little girl, you know, my mother would take me to the doctors. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. There was no physical diagnosis. There was no reason why my stomach hurt, but it hurt. And to this day, that's how my anxiety, I know that I'm anxious because my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so if you can start identifying, because a lot of times parents will take their children to the doctor and the doctor's like, there's nothing wrong with them, but yet there is. And so being able to take that action proactively to say, okay, you know what, could it be this doctor? And do you have a therapist that we could go speak to? And actually putting down the entire guard of pride and taking that child to see a therapist so that they can, I guess, learn and then use the tools that can help them navigate it because you don't have to suffer. You don't have to have a a joyless, happyless life, you know, just because you have anxiety, you can do what your peers are doing, but you just need a little help to get there. Right. And, And there are therapists that specialize with teens. Is that true? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there are specialists in everything, but um, for me, and what I talk a lot about in the book is my five C's of journaling, which is 
based off of cognitive behavioral therapy. So being able to catch those thoughts and then challenge them, change them, that's going to help you then start to be able to control the thoughts that you're having more, and then you will feel more confident. So it's kind of like a, a cycle that, you know, as you take intentional action to recognize what's happening, then you're able to catch those thoughts earlier versus later before they escalate. If you think of your brain as like a Ferris wheel, what happens with the anxious brain is, you know, thoughts are coming in pretty quickly, but they're negative thoughts. They're what if thoughts. And, you know, if you see your child, all of a sudden they're, they're, acting fearful. They're afraid to try out for a team. They're afraid to go someplace new. Packing for a vacation is very, very stressful and they are irritable and angry and lashing out. Any of those type of behaviors is an indication there are a lot of what ifs going on. So as those thoughts are coming into the brain, if you think of a Ferris wheel, the, you know, the Ferris wheel People get on the Ferris wheel, right? And then it starts going faster and faster and faster, but eventually it slows down, lets other people on and lets people off. What's happening with the brain is that Ferris wheel just keeps going and going and going. And it's just negative thoughts all on every single seat of that Ferris wheel. And it's not stopping. It's not slowing down to let the negative thoughts off and positive thoughts on. So it just becomes like a hiccup in the brain. And so it's, you have to be able to catch those thoughts and then challenge them. Are they rational? Um, is, you know, could this be proven or, you know, is this something that I'm blowing out of proportion because I now know how my brain works and then being able to change those thoughts to, from a negative to a positive. So in the book, I have a lot of exercises. So to identify those triggers and then what are those negative thoughts? What is, what is it that you're fearful of? Um, who can you trust? You know, different activities like that in the book so that teens can really become more aware of what their thought patterns are, what they're experiencing in their life, and then take action to manage it or navigate it. I like to use the word navigate because I don't think, you know, I think that's what we're doing. You know, at every turn of the corner, we could have an experience that makes us anxious. But if we can navigate that, that's the key. So that is why you had a Ferris wheel on your cover. Yes, that's I why there's a Ferris about wheel that. on the cover. Yep. So it's a good time to um, readdress. We're speaking with Dr. Robin Graham, and she has just written a new book that's available anywhere books are sold right now. And it is called You, Me, and Anxiety. Take an- take actions over anxiety to enjoy being you. And you're saying it's it's directed specifically for t- teens, but parents, um, there's a there's a journal in in that book or there, that's a separate book? No, so there's, there's the teen book and then there's a parent book. Okay. Because parents oftentimes don't understand what's happening with their children and no fault to them. If they haven't experienced anxiety themselves or if they have anxiety, but it's never been, um, they've never been diagnosed or they've never been treated, then they may not know what's happening with their child. And so this gives them an opportunity to learn and understand that as well. In the book, I talk a lot about, you know, communication, relationships, trust, grace, faith, like all these different topics to help both the parent and the teen navigate anxiety together. And then the journal is to accompany both books so that people can take action as they're reading the book. Gotcha. If we had, and just, this is just a tidbit. If you publish a book that has like, um, tables that you want to write people to write in while they're doing the book, 
you can't publish that as a digital format. So we wanted to publish as a digital format. So we have a separate journal. And journaling also has been extremely key for me as I navigate my journey with anxiety. And there's a, a really powerful connection between the brain and writing. And it's almost like meditation. And so I wanted to encourage teens, young women to actually do the, do the writing that's going to help them navigate their daily life as well as practice gratitude. Got it. Okay. And the the teen book and the parent book, are they both called the same thing? Or are they both called the same thing? The parent book actually has the teen book in it so that the parents know exactly what the teens are reading. And then each chapter has a parent section. Nice. So that the parents, yeah. Yeah, that's so important because there's nothing that's worse than seeing a child in distress and not knowing mm-hmm. what to do or how to help. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Terrific. So we're so excited for you and that, and that this book is coming out and we're excited for us. I'm wondering, is there are there tips that parents will be able to take away to help them in their own stress? Because mm-hmm. are these are these universal techniques? They are. In fact, when I had um, advanced readers review the book for me, many of them said, this book is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of entrepreneurs look at it. And you know, a lot of those people were people in business and they, they said, oh my gosh, everybody can benefit from this because it's a strategy to navigate anxiety and stress. And I, I talk about the differences between worry and anxiety because there's a significant difference. And um, so many different things like that, that, and it really just has a lot of principles to live life by. And that can help anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And we talked earlier about there being a genetic component and there's a brain issue and then there's the, the feel of anxiety. What What's the danger of the physical effects of anxiety over time, especially if it's not addressed? Well, so a lot of times people with anxiety will have other, they'll handle their anxiety by trying to find something that they can control. So you think about eating disorders. So if you have an eating disorder, especially for a long period of time, you can really destroy the gastrointestinal system. Um, the same thing, like physical symptoms, if, like for me, if I have, you know, I, everything with anxiety manifests in my stomach. So, you know, could that lead to ulcers down the road? Potentially. I mean, you just, you don't know, but there definitely are, you know, if you are experiencing even headaches, like headaches can be debilitating. If you're not getting enough sleep, if you can't sleep at night, we all need sleep. And and there's so much data on the power of sleep and how if you have enough sleep, you can navigate life so much better, but it also keeps you healthier, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of those things can end up taking a toll. I mean, when you think about like what stress does to the body and the heart, and then if something happens with the heart, then that can also affect the lungs. And I mean, everything's connected. So you're, it's your mind, body, soul connection. So if you are not managing the, the physical symptoms of, if you're not managing anxiety, and then you're not managing the physical symptoms of your anxiety, then more complications could occur down the road. Makes a lot of sense. One other question for you regarding the the teen book. How is the book set up? Because I know you're a very organized lady. So can you just tell us like how the book is set up for a teen sure. to be reading? Sure, absolutely. So um, the chapters are short and sweet. The I think the longest chapter is probably the chapter on relationships. But the each um, if I, it's really a list of words. 
basically. This is how my mind works. And so we have the introduction where I talk about um, you being your own hero. Like this is your journey and it's time to to own it and, and be your hero because you have to advocate for yourself. And this is this is for anybody in life. You have to be your own advocate. So being a hero, the introduction, and then um, talking a little bit about anxiety. And then, you know, there's a section on how to use this book because there is, you know, there are activities that I want and am encouraging people to do. And then everything else is like a word. So we have values, faith, grace, um, relationships, yeah. curiosity, um, and curious hope. Um, wow. there, there's a whole list, but they're all, so each chapter is like a word. And then each chapter has, you know, the word is the title of the chapter. And then there's the definition of the word. And then there is a quote that goes with that word. Mm-hmm. And the quote, quote could be a scripture verse. It could be, um, a quote from anyone that I just found meaningful related to whatever that subject is for that chapter. And oh, then there's call that. outs throughout the book too. Excellent. I love it. I love it. It sounds like yeah, and it's something that I have to add. Use. Yeah, I have to add at the end, then there is a resource section. So where I provide different um, treatment modalities as well as and then there's, of course, a reference section as well. Fantastic. Well, we wish you all the luck with the book. Thank you so much for writing it. And we are again are speaking with Robin Graham. Robin, where is the best Dr. Robin Graham? Where, where's the best <laughs> place for people to find you? The best place is my website, therobingram.com. And if your listeners are interested, Claudine, I have a free ebook on my website that is specifically related to alleviating anxiety by developing healthy habits for a healthy mind. And they can download that for free and then they'll be on my email list so they can get news on book signings or future books or anything else that's coming out Um exciting things in my business. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. So um, the book again is You, Me, and Anxiety, and you can find that wherever books are sold. Thank you so much, Robin, for being with us today. We, We appreciate it, and we'll be looking out for that book. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.